Karin Julström. Everyone was so interested in this and everyone has a relative or a husband or a mother or someone that suffers from this. Everyone was so interested in what we had written about and what to do about it. Pain is some serious business. It ain't everyone who knows what to do about it. Now I hear there's a podcast just about this. It doesn't talk of pain alone, but other interesting things distracting the mind from it. So I suggest you tune in to Outsmart the Pain and listen to what Karsten has to say about it. Get ahead. Get it done. Listen to the podcast and maybe change your life or someone else's. Today I have the great honor to talk to my co-author Karin Julström. Uh, and uh, some of you out there might wonder why on earth do you speak English with someone you wrote a <laughs> Swedish book with? Uh, and actually Karin has a wonderful Gothenburgic uh, accent which uh, everyone should listen to and that probably gets spoiled in English. But uh, as some of you know it's actually a software program that makes me uh, need to speak English because I need to edit it in English. I wouldn't have the time to do this otherwise. In the future maybe there will be some episodes in Swedish too. But today in English very very Warmly welcome, Karin, to this episode. Thank you, Karsten. <laughs> and Finally, uh, we're here. <laughs> yes, uh, in, in the internet, at least. Actually, when we wrote the book, I said that sometimes maybe you and I would have uh, a kind of uh, meeting on uh, Facebook or some social media where we actually talk about pain and have people ask us questions. And I hope that idea hasn't died yet, has it? No, it hasn't. No, it should be so much fun. But yeah. talking about the start of the book, how it became to be this Outsmart the Pain, everyone might not know who you are. What do you do when you are not sitting here in the pod being kind of a patient? <laughs> what do you do in your ordinary life? I'm a journalist and a writer. I have been uh, working as a, a show host in uh, television and radio for almost all my life mm. and I've been writing um, novels for the last um, 10 years. Uh, um, the first one uh, appeared in 2009 so I've uh, got some kind of new identity as a writer more than a show host the last uh, 10 years but what also happened of course was that I got pain and mm. <laughs> started to walk along these long corridors during the Swedish healthcare, trying to find some help. Uh, what was the problem? Why is it hurting? Why can't I sleep during the night? And that's how we met after 10 years of trying to find out what's wrong with me. Hmm. So, so you started by being a journalist and a show host and now you write books and I know that you're a, a crime fiction writer quite successful yeah actually do you think that pain in any way made you change your line of work or was that kind of totally separate 
No, I don't think that was a reason, but I really do think that the stress in my work as a show host with live um, programs and that um, to know that one or two million people will be looking at you this very moment and you need to put all the, the words in the right way made me put some kind of tension in my body. Mm. All these stressful moments when I was trying to keep control of my body. And, and after many years, I found out that I couldn't let go of the cramp. The cramp was there even when I wasn't um, in the you studio. Couldn't, you couldn't relax. No, it was impossible. Mm. And uh, to start with, I thought that oh, I, I need to do some stretching. I need to, to relax more. I need a bit of vacation. <laughs> But um, when the years passed, uh, I understood that um, it was impossible. I, I just couldn't make it go away. Mm. So having all this pain, what, what did you think about yourself or your, or your body? Uh, what were your thoughts that you were slowly getting totally unable to move in the end? Or did you think it was just some crazy thing going on? Or what did you think about your pain? Well, there were two different um, directions. One direction was that something is really, really wrong. There must be something severe, um, sickness behind all this. Uh, it's not uh, normal to have this pain. And the other one was that suddenly I felt like I was 40 years uh, older. I wasn't... 45, I was suddenly 75 or 85 and everything that was so natural before, like uh, walking 10 kilometers in the forest with my dogs or horseback riding with friends or uh, being out all night uh, in town or dancing in a party, that was suddenly impossible. And um, I felt like I'm suddenly like my own my my grandma or something uh it was like is I've, I've suddenly grown old very mm. very old and i didn't know what what was wrong with me now th this is a really bad comparison so please uh, don't get mad at me but when you have dementia i know that some people are really good at you know keeping up the uh, facade so to say so when you mm -hmm. speak to them uh, you don't even recognize that they do have dementia but if you ask certain questions about what date is it uh, where do you live where are you right now then they will not uh, know what to answer and talking about pain uh, do you think that uh, everyone noticed that you had pain or were you able to kind of hide it so no one actually knew that you had this much pain what was your strategy you think or or how did the surrounding um, notice or did no notice? one no one knew except my best friend and my dad i became an expert in hiding it uh, i didn't tell tell anyone of course mm. my my um, children that were teenage uh, at the point but they just thought i was trying to make them <laughs> make a little bit more of the household uh, work <laughs> at home when I ask them to, could you please fetch something? 
uh, for me. Uh, and when I said that it hurts in my in my legs, they just laughed at me. I was an expert of hiding it, and uh, I didn't want anyone to know because I thought it was so embarrassing. Uh, I couldn't uh, explain what was what was behind it. Um, everyone in the healthcare when I asked about it to doctors and uh, physiotherapists that everyone had different answers or no answers they knew just as little as I did hmm. uh, that was the feeling I had and um, um, I also think this was in the period when my children uh, left home I mean they grow old and I became alone in my house with the stairs Mm. And I found out that I couldn't walk all these stairs up to the room where I was writing my books and down to the living room because it, it hurt so much. I couldn't do that. Mm. So uh, when I told a doctor that and he said, you have to move, you have to face reality. You cannot uh, live in the same way as you did before. Uh, you're older now. Just face it. Mm. So in a way, I felt really really alone with these things and my best friend um who's still my best friend <laughs> she was of course trying to to say you really need to know what it's all about you must go to another doctor to get a new x-ray you need to do more um take more samples or whatever you call it you really need to go deeper while this all started i didn't even tell my siblings or my brother or no. Did, did you feel yourself that you weren't investigated enough, that there was something that no one had found? Or did you just follow the advice to go to just another doctor? I thought that must there must be something hmm. because the pain was so severe. It, it just couldn't be out of nothing. Hmm. <laughs> if it hurts, there must uh, be a reason. And then to fast forward a bit, you uh, got to a pain doctor uh, or yeah. a pain <laughs> clinic. How did you get there? Because it's not very easy to find a pain doctor. I know in Sweden we are about 100 active specialists mm. and there are 10 million people. Well, I uh, suddenly got so uh, feeling so bad that I had to go to, to the doctor, to the, yeah. to the emergency. I was so extremely tired. I had so much pain. And now the the pain in my um, gluteal muscles and my legs also had moved on to the stomach. So I, I thought that now it's really bad. Mm. And they really uh, checked me up in many different ways. And when I came back to the medical clinic at Capio mm. Sankt Joran, the doctor said that uh, we can see that you're really in pain, but we can find... There is nothing wrong, actually, but we can send you to this pain clinic. It's a very special clinic, and they do not <laughs> accept all patients that want to come there. But maybe you will be accepted. At least we can try. That's all we can do. So oh, when they didn't I give you any promises at all? No, no promises. I was really, really worried that I would be rejected that day when I stepped into your office. And uh, I thought that probably uh, you would say that, no, this is not the right kind of pain. 
uh, you do not belong here. You have to search um, help somewhere else. Mm. And uh, I remember that I told you my story in less than 10 minutes that uh, started with the tension in gluteal muscles and a, a quite heavy virus infection that um, gave me severe n nerve pain in my left leg. I was unable to relax my muscles and uh, it was impossible to sleep and I was in, in chronic pain actually. And I had become very, very scared to move. To, mm. to walk outside, especially when it was icy and snowy and cold. I was afraid of falling to to uh, get even worse hurt and get more pain. And uh, I think after just 10 minutes, you said you're um, a typical, typical example of resistant pain. Now we're going to take care of you. And that was like, whoa, what did you say? <laughs> Am I accepted? <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of a surprise then. Actually, uh, one of my previous guests, uh, Katis uh, Olsson, she said that... Why do you have this pain? As I said before, uh, knowledge prevents fear. When you know what causes the pain and how you can act towards it, then easier might be a wrong word here, but it is easier to understand and do things to get better. When you don't know what causes the pain, you get scared. If you move, you get scared uh, and you get scared to move because you're scared that the pain will increase and you have the fear of movement, which is really not a good thing. I would say everyone who lives with pain have had the fear of movement. Probably all patients with pain have had some uh, issues with uh, fear of movement. Yeah. So you were exactly the same, the same kind. What were your feelings before you came into the, the pain doctor's office? I had no uh, hopes to be accepted. I thought that I would have to get on walking through my life alone, feeling like my own grandma. Just to mention that uh, I, I told you about my house in Göteborg. I, I sold it and bought an apartment with a, an elevator just to get rid of those stairs. I mean, I, I had recently uh, changed my life so that I could manage this life without movement because mm. it was the, I was the kind of person that couldn't move anymore. It was a loss of my life. I will never even never never again be that active and physical active person that I always have been. And um, so I was really um, sad and depressed, of course. I was really, really sad that my life had taken a turn. I just couldn't imagine it would take. Uh, so I was extremely surprised when you said that I was accepted. And since I'm a journalist, there was something else that happened in that office, in that room. You told me that 2 million people or 20% of the Swedish um, citizens uh, suffer from persistent pain. And I said, uh, is that really possible? There are a lot of people. And um, <laughs> you said, but no one knows about it. And um, to be honest, there are no 
courses at the uh, medical program that that is about this uh, persistent pain and i just thought is that really possible and could it really be that this um, diagnosis is so unknown so mm-hmm. when i left the the room i just felt this is this is something that must be known i'm i'm a, a journalist i'm a writer i'm at the biggest editors uh, in sweden bonnier the bonnier förlagen uh, i really have to just make this into a book So I went home and this very afternoon I wrote everything down and sent it to my editor. And that's the start of this book as you know. I, I guess we uh, doctors have a, a secret fear of journalists that if you, we treat them bad we will end up on the headline in the newspaper. But I guess with you it was the other way around. Uh, yeah. Something good could be done and and actually you we both could spread the word to uh, more people. As of today the book has sold about 15,000 copies which is I guess a very good number in Sweden. Uh, yeah. it, it probably doesn't match your crime stories, but still uh, it's very good because uh, I'm sure that more than 15,000 have actually taken part of the contents, you know, relatives yeah. and here, lend my book and read this and, and things like that. Yeah. And if, if you would have someone out there who has pain and starting to think that this is probably just in my head because no one finds anything, What would be your suggestion to to them? I, I guess everyone can't run to my office. Uh, what what would you say to them? I'm a bit worried that people think that I'm medically a medical expert because I'm not. Uh, I just know a little bit more about persistent pain. Uh, but of course, I will say, please make sure that that, that you're really um, investigated. That doctors have been checking you up that there's nothing um, severe with you I, i actually say that that if you for instance have had a cancer some years ago if there's a breast cancer or prostate cancer or whatever and and you're you you s- suddenly get a new pain you mm-hmm. actually should check your old cancer diagnosis first it's not a, a big risk that that's the one but it's so important that you check out that this is not you know doing something with your body so mm. all these uh, like you say all these uh, really serious stuff the the gp can really rule them mm. out but mm. after that then you're saying that they could do something more i guess if there's nothing wrong with that part of your body that hurts then you can try using it and see if it's possible for you to take a walk, maybe take a slow run, go by the bike, um, do some swimming, just try to widen your circles of what you're comfortable in doing that you haven't been able to do <laughs> because you're very, you were so afraid of getting more pain. Uh, try to, to uh, do it and be... Um, confident that if there's nothing that's um, hurt, then it can't be worse, mm. really. When you read a book, if it's a fiction book, it's uh, like a conclusion at the end. I always say that uh, if you go to the pain clinic, some people expect that you should get rid of all the pain. And I say if you would have come to a diabetes clinic, No one would expect the diabetes to go away, but that you can actually 
live with it and not think too much about it. And the same goes with hypertension, high blood pressure or whatever it is. And, and maybe that's the way you should think about the pain clinic. Not to take away the pain, but make your life better. I, I sometimes say that we're not after uh, get freedom from uh, pain but freedom for life actually what is your story there did you get suddenly pain free what's your experience unfortunately not but Mm. i i got a lot of help from the medication that i got from you it took a while before i had a little bit less pain uh, as less that i tried to extend my walks in the woods Mm. for example and try to, sometimes I try to uh, jog like 50 steps or something, maybe 100 steps. And I found out that it hurt a lot afterwards, but uh, there was not much difference between running 50 steps or 200 steps. So I found out that maybe I can push myself a little bit further. And it was important to know that nothing is wrong with your body in that special area. Nothing is broken or hurt or is getting worse. Uh, on the contrary, it's getting better. If you if you dare to do it and can stand the pain, it will be better. It, but of course, it's sometimes extremely painful. And there are days when nothing feels simple and easy. But argue that there are good and bad days life always and uh, it's the same with pain and some days i can uh, walk 10 kilometers and maybe even run 500 steps and other days i can just walk two kilometers and i feel like everything's hurting and i cannot even take the stairs without uh, making sounds (laughs) because it hurts so much i must say that you get so much Um, time and energy from knowing that you don't have to continue your uh, way to find what's wrong exactly excellent Mm. i feel free when i know that yeah i must also admit that when time goes when a couple of months when maybe i haven't felt that good it's easy to forget all the things in the book i need to re uh, re Reread it, mm-hmm. read it again and again to know that oh, 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 it's my it's my brain that gives me pain. It's not my bones. Mm. It's not my gluteal muscles. It's not my uh, whatever. Mm. It's in my brain. That is something that I also hear a lot from our readers that yeah. they read the book many times. They mm. underline the most important things. Good. Actually, you're saying uh, that if you don't see anything, you know nothing can be broken and you should be able to move and you might get more pain in the beginning, but in, in the long term it will be better. And actually the, the same goes with many situations where you actually do have a disease where you know that something is generating pain. For instance, arthritis in your knee. We know mm. that exercise is better, that uh, you you need maybe surgery, but you should wait uh, as long as possible to get a prosthesis, for instance. So even if you do have a disease or something that can give you pain, if you know that you do not make it worse by exercise or doing things that actually hurt, it's better for you. Maybe you can get some kind of um, 
comfort when when reading the book uh, maybe so yeah. we will talk in further episodes about the book in in detail uh, today's chapter is actually how the book started and what you f are feeling like a person meeting the pain doctor for the first time and so mm. on but do you have any favorite chapter in the book or do you kind of read the different chapters uh, at different times mm. oh that was a hard one uh, <laughs> i like it all mm -hmm. <laughs> you you need all the pieces to mm. to get the whole picture i think so and people that uh, write to me also say that they have had help from different parts of the book mm. for example it, many people say that it was so good to read about other patients and how their journey has been and how much pain they have had and how they have done to to manage uh, through their persistent pain and uh, someone else said that the most important thing that uh, to do was about um, e exposing yourself to pain Someone else is like, uh, I love to read your own story about um, how it was for you because I can see myself in you. It was like reading about my own life. Mm. And I, I mean, just the last week, I've had a couple of letters from people and I almost started to cry when I read them because I understand that we really, really made difference for people mm. that they suddenly do not feel so alone they feel that there are many other people that live with this persistent pain. Mm. And that, of course, makes it much more easy to stand the pain when it's there. Yeah, so people are different, so you like different chapters in the book or, and, and read about different things and still you get the comfort knowing that people are having the same problems. I have a, a very small newsletter and a, a pod but I try to give examples of things to do or uh, advice that actually comes from other patients uh, and mm. there have been everything from uh, someone with uh, arthritis in their hands that uh, only uses uh, fountain pens because then you don't need to press anything uh, against the paper to people using uh, soles in the shoes that you can actually warm up through a USB unit and then they don't get as much pain in their wrists for uh, instance. So there are so many pieces of advice out there from people who actually have pain. So uh, I really believe in, in sharing this. And like you say, the patient stories are really important in the book. You never uh, kind of identified as a pain patient, which I mean, you're, you're just a normal person that happens to have pain. I guess that before you write a book like this, you are maybe a bit afraid that you will be kind of the the pain face in Sweden. Then finally someone told us about the pain, but you are like a crime writer and journalist and all of that. Uh, but I guess everything went well after the book, uh, since you're still writing all these other things. Or have there been any drawbacks in being an author of a book about pain? I was quite worried. And uh, when <laughs> the book was uh, released, 
I thought I was in every newspaper, in every weekend magazine, like the one with pain. And that was quite painful to see that. But um, it was just the story about persistent pain. And nothing came back to me in a negative way. Everyone was so interested in this and everyone has a relative or a husband or a mother or someone that suffers from this. Everyone was so interested in what we had written about and what to do about it. So I think that this, oh my God, you're a pain person, passed very fast. So mm. we, we came further into the discussion quite quickly. Yeah, well, that's good. Sometimes people say that when you communicate with a physician, a doctor, uh, especially when you have pain, it doesn't really work very well that, that they kind of made up their minds about why you are having pain before they even listen to you or, or they are not just interested because it takes too much energy to listen to someone who has pain. I guess that your communication with mine was okay since we wrote a yeah. book about it but mm -hmm. uh, do you have any experience with your communication with the healthcare system I is there anything to improve after two years at the pain clinic i was a bit worried that the new doctor wouldn't know what this was about and i was guaranteed that this wasn't a problem mm -hmm. but finally <laughs> i found out that exactly my my worries became true actually because when i go to the the healthcare and speak to that doctor they said no we don't know that you need this medication then you have to go to another examination and then we need to send you to this and that and that is really a, a drawback i do not have the energy to mm. to go through everything again just to get the same medication that you told me that i needed like three or four years ago different areas of the healthcare system must work better together. Oh, that's a very good conclusion uh, that we really need to talk within the healthcare. That, that's true. Uh, we have our, our different areas. I had an episode with pain doctor Dominic Aldington uh, some uh, episodes ago, and, and he talked just about that, about um, pain and other specialities. So, uh, yeah, that's very wise. Talking about medication, our next uh, episode that we will make together will be about medication, not uh, about which type, because uh, that's so different. I have that in an, uh, a solo episode, but actually how you think about medication, pill shaming, we have been talking yeah. about that, and, and some connecting things uh, with that as well. So. For this episode, talking about your first experience, the way the, the book became a book and the communication, I think we handled all these things that we actually wrote about in the, in the first chapter. Um, was it okay to speak English, you think? Can we continue? <laughs> It was hard, <laughs> actually. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> to, uh, it was hard to find all these uh, special words that you uh, know so well in Swedish and you do not have a clue in English. Exactly. You sometimes feel like a child, yet you kind of talk yeah. around the word that you're actually yeah. looking for. Uh, so you don't feel very professional when speaking English. Exactly. And I, I'm not uh, confident with that. I don't feel happy about that. But 
it's so you're your outside your comfort zone uh, but yes. that's a very good training as well for your brain and, yeah. and to comfort <laughs> you i i had a patient who came from canada who said that she had been listening to my pod before i even knew anything about her and she said you know we are so happy when we can hear someone else than someone speaking American English. Uh, uh -huh. English is the best thing I know. So, <laughs> so you, you just made someone happy out there, I think. Okay. 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 So, Corin, <laughs> I just hope that they understood what I said. <laughs> oh, of, of course they did. Uh, Corin, thank you so much for this episode. Uh, I am sure that you have helped a lot of people uh, around Sweden uh, with your story and what to do about pain. And I'll be happy to talk to you later on sometime yeah. uh, this year. Okay? Yeah. Good. Nice to, to talk to you. Yeah. Talk to you later. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Bye. 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 <laughs>